Welcome to Senior Connect, a podcast by Okra. In this episode of Caregiver Conversations, host Andrea Parado is joined by Natalie Hansen to discuss the five stages of acclimation. Hi, my name is Andrea Parado, and I am a certified dementia practitioner, and I'm here with Natalie Hansen, who is also a certified dementia practitioner. And we are going to talk to you today about the five stages of acclimation when an individual with Alzheimer's or dementia moves into a new environment or their environment changes. And we feel like this is an important topic because when anyone moves their loved one into a facility, it is very scary and we never know what to expect. And unfortunately, our loved ones are very good with um, sometimes making us feel a little guilty. So um, when you move into a new environment of any kind, say you move into a new house, um, it is normal to hear weird noises at first and you don't know what exactly they are and they're a little scary at first and you have to become acclimated to that new environment, right? When you get up in the morning and you go to go to the bathroom or you go to go to the kitchen, you have to divert your route because now you're in a different house, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when an individual with dementia moves into a new environment, it is much more difficult and they go through these different stages or what I call these five stages of acclimation, which are very similar to the five stages of grief. And they are denial, anger, bargaining, and or manipulation, depression, and acceptance. And all of, all of this information is all collected through experience. This is spending 22 years in the healthcare field, um, 10 years for you, I believe, just collecting data from um, the individuals that we work with who are living with dementia and trying to understand what they're going through. So I found that the stages of acclimation occur more often in your earlier stages because I feel like they're a little bit more alert to their surroundings. Very much so. They're a little bit more aware of their surroundings, whereas your later stages, they are aware to an extent, but it's a little bit different and their behaviors and expressions are a little bit different. The first stage I want to talk about is the denial stage, because a lot of times when we have to move and it's not our choice, Um, we are in a lot of denial. We are in denial that we had to move. We're in denial that I can't care for myself anymore and I should be independent and I'm not understanding the, the why behind the move. Because for me with dementia, I feel like I'm okay. Like I can handle life. I got this. Um, and so I don't, I don't understand why I had to move and why I had to leave my home and why I can no longer live there. And so with this stage, it's often very difficult, especially for families, because you can't really debate or argue with an individual who has Alzheimer's or dementia. We know what happens, right? Right. We get agitated. We get angry. Um, So it's always difficult to kind of know what is going to work with that person within that moment that's going to comfort them. The, and the best way to figure that out is, is have that conversation with the family. Get to know 
the, the, the individual through the family, what's going to comfort them, what's going to, what's going to help ease them through this transition of, of the denial of, of living in a, in a facility. Right. And even maybe find out what actually agitates that person as well so that we can avoid those circumstances. Cause that, that might be helpful. Um, often when an individual with dementia or Alzheimer's moves into a um, facility or, you know, an assisted living or, you know, even a skilled facility, you, they're very accepting in the moment. So while their loved ones moving their stuff in and they're getting their room settled, they seem like they're okay with it. They act like they're okay with it and they kind of just go with it. And then the loved one leaves and goes home. The loved one leaves and goes home and it increases their confusion. And then they're more confused. And then if you try to correct their reality that they're living in, in that moment, it also, also increases their agitation. So I feel, and what we like to do is kind of go with the flow for a minute. Um, let them lead you, let them lead me. Yeah, absolutely. Try to figure out what their routine is, what they're feeling, um, talking to them, listening to them, understanding them. Um, and as caregivers, um, within the facility, we kind of have to be their advocate. We have to be on their side of things. And, um, a lot of times, you know, the individual feels like the family has absolutely no right to make these decisions for them. And even though we know the family is doing what they know is right and true and is keeping them safe and healthy and, and stuff, um, we still have to be on the client side. We have to be on that individual side, letting them know that it is okay to feel the, the way that they're feeling. Um, and so I think that's really helpful in getting through that denial stage and not really pushing um, our reality onto them. Um, and, and then that just kind of that, that denial stage will eventually lead into that second stage, which is that anger stage. So now, now they're realizing they're not going home. This is where we start to really understand that nobody's coming back to pick me up and they don't understand and they don't understand why, why nobody's coming to pick them up. Right. And so they, they start to exhibit those signs of anger and agitation. And, um, I mean, how many times have you had your clients pack up their whole entire room? Oh, they pack it all up, ask them what they're doing. though. I'm going home. Yeah. Yeah. The, home. Do you have money for a bus? I'm going to take the bus. I've sat on benches, um, with, with, um, clients to wait for the bus. Yeah. Because we're just, we're living in this moment. Um, they will accuse the family members of abandoning them. Again, we, we still cannot argue with them. If that is how they feel, this is how they feel. And I'm not sure about you, but there's that, that, that saying of, um, you can never tell me how to feel, right? You can tell me how to tie my shoes. You can tell me how to dress myself. You can tell me all those things, but you can never tell me how to feel, right? So we can't just assume that this individual is feeling a certain way and and they they shouldn't because they should. I that think in that situation, feeling. it's important to validate, you know, validate the, the feelings of anger and stuff. Let them know that, you know, I get it, you're angry. And, and, and it's and okay to be that it's way. It's okay to be that way, you know, and I, and I understand and, you know, 
Yeah. And when you try to tell them, oh, well, your family's doing what's best for you and you have this great new apartment here, they don't want to hear it. It actually makes them more agitated to try to explain it to them. And, and it's unfortunate because you really can't rationalize with them, you know, that it's for their safety or, you know, that the family can't care for them anymore, right. you know, and that kind of stuff. So it's really hard for them to understand. And then all of a sudden they refuse to stay another minute and they're leaving and they're exit seeking. And, you know, I, again, I've sat by the door, I've waited with them. We've actually gone and had a meal or two while we waited for the bus or waited for the family members to pick them up as they were waiting for. Um, and like you said, you have to validate their anger. That's super important to validate their anger because they have every right to be angry. The third stage I wanted to discuss is the bargaining and or manipulation stage. And we tacked on the manipulation because often that bargaining is a way of manipulating us into you know, feeling guilty. Um, this stage can be very difficult for families, um, because this is when they start saying those really hurtful things. Um, we've heard them say, you know, no, no child of mine would ever do this to their mother. If you loved me, you wouldn't leave me here. Oh, that one's got to hurt. Yeah. Um, or even just, you don't love me or what right do you have to sell my house? That was my property. Um, they are going to do whatever it takes to not have to stay in the facility. And so that's why this, this constant manipulation and bargaining is that is, is playing on that guilt. And we, we talked about guilt and we know how hard guilt is. So we have to imagine this is probably the hardest stage for the families. Um, they're going to accuse families of taking their, their home, taking their belongings, um, they're going to bargain. They're going to threaten to call the police for you holding them hostage. I've had that, you know, happen to me in the past, um, offering you money. Will you just give me a ride? Can you just give me a ride somewhere Yeah. or, or money for the bus, you know, because they have to leave. Um, I even had a, a client tell their loved one that we didn't feed them and that the food was so awful that they couldn't eat it. And so that loved one would take their mom out every day to eat. And it's unfortunate because it, would inter it interfered with that acclimation process to that environment because they were taking them out to all these different restaurants and taking them out to all these different environments. And so every time he would bring her back, we would start back at square one at the first stage of denial. And here we are already pushing through that third stage and we're close, but now we keep changing that environment. So then we end up right back at square one. Um, and a lot of times, you know, when they leave that environment, they don't want to come back. Right. And so they argue about coming back because this isn't my home or they pull up to the front doors and they won't get out of the car because you said we were going home. What, what is this place? Especially if they've gone someplace familiar especially they'll take them home. I even had him, uh, he took her to her house and she was upset that he was selling her house, which only increased the constant questions and accusations and the anger and the frustration. Um, have you, I, I even had that, um, a gentleman take his mother out to other facilities to look at other facilities to see if one of them may, would make her happier. 
And it really disrupted that whole acclimation process because she was even more confused about where she lived and all the things she saw. And it was too overwhelming and it was too much at once. Um, of course, that that individual became very fixated on money because they talked about, you know, how much is this going to cost and how much is that going to cost? And then, well, why can't I just live in my house? Why do I have to live somewhere else? Why does it have to cost this much? I mean, there are questions that they have and trying to argue with them and tell them, well, you have to live in a facility. It's really hard, right? you know, because they don't want to hear that. Right. They, they still think that they can do the things that they did before. They, they really do. And don't really recognize that their deficits Right. Or that they're uh, limited safety awareness. Right. Right. Um, and so it, it's it's hard. Um, the we I've even gone so far as to ask the family members to maybe remove themselves from the situation. Um, sometimes I even ask, depending on um, the individual's behaviors and um, what they've been through and where they've been, ask the family to kind of step back and give us like maybe a week or two to work with that individual and help them get acclimated without that constant environmental change, as well as the family being present for that client to continuously make feel guilty and um, voice those accusations. Because let's face it, again, I'm going to forget that we had this conversation and all that it entailed, but the loved one that walks away, they retain it all. Yeah. Right. They feel it all. And it doesn't, it doesn't just stop. Um, so if we can get through this bargaining and manipulation stage, which is really the hardest stage to get through because they're really testing your feelings and they're really playing on your emotions. And if you can get through that with them, then we're going to get to the fourth stage. And this stage is is kind of difficult as well because this is your depression stage and nobody wants to see their loved one feeling sad. Nobody wants to see them feeling depressed, but they're starting to feel abandoned. They're starting to feel forgotten, you know, cause they're, they're, they've been in this place for so long and, and they feel like maybe they're not seeing their family as much, even though they just saw them, but they they're forgetting those moments. They're forgetting those visits. Um, and so, we, we see them withdrawing themselves. I mean, how, how easy is it to get them to participate in activities within, you know, that first, you know, even couple months sometimes, right. you know, how, how much of an effort do you have to put into, to draw them into the activity, even to draw them into a simple conversation. Yeah. Sometimes. Because it's, it's, you know, they're still working on that, that, um, the acceptance of being there that, you know, they're, they're going to withdraw. They're going to, if I don't make friends and I stay miserable, maybe I'll get to go home. Maybe, maybe there's still a little bit of that manipulation going on, even though it's at a different mm -hmm. level. Right. You know, um, they, they, they are often, yes, they will withdraw. They, they're kind of hesitant to participate in activities. Maybe they don't recognize, you know, these people and they don't, they, maybe they weren't even a social person right? previous to the dementia diagnosis. And they may, they may cry a lot. <clears throat> yeah. A lot of crying, a lot of tears. Visits, visits may be difficult in that way because there's going to be a lot of tears and a lot of crying it's, as, yeah, as, as we're moving into that. And sometimes it's just spontaneous crying. Mm -hmm. You could just ask them what they want to eat. 
and it's just, they start spontaneously crying and you're just kind of like, um, oh my, you know, I just wanted to see if you wanted chicken or, or beef. And I, I didn't realize it was going to make you so sad, and but it, they're in that moment of depression. Yeah. And, and it gets difficult for the families because they don't want to see their loved one unhappy. No, they, they want the smiles and the, the happiness. Well, they and do. The, and, 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 and that comfort of knowing that their loved one in said facility is feeling good about it because they're feeling their own guilt for putting them there. Right. So now you have this, all this emotional storm going on. Um, they, they might even threaten suicide. You know, I don't want to live anymore. Just take all my stuff. I don't care. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'd rather be dead. You hear that a lot. Yeah. Um, and so we just have to make sure we keep an extra eye on them and are checking on them repeatedly. Um, sometimes if we're in this stage and it's, and it's, and it's getting really difficult and we're noticing, um, a big difference in either their ability to care for themselves, um, or our ability to care for them. Sometimes medication has to be one of those interventions. Um, and sometimes if we can get them on a antidepressant in a very therapeutic way to get them through this stage, then when we get through that stage of depression and we notice that they're starting to do better, we can start tapering them off of those antidepressant medications so they won't need them anymore, which is great because we all know that none of those meds are good for anybody, especially people with Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, so we, you know, we try to engage them in activities that they used to enjoy. Um, we try to get them to get more, more socialization, more human interaction, even if it's one-on-one. -on -one which I know you do a lot of, Yes. Um, you spend a lot of time, especially when they first come in to help them with that acclimation process. How do you do that? Well, it's just kind of meeting them where they're at. Okay. And, you know, getting to know them. And, and, and when you say meeting them where they're at, what do you mean by that? Not like in their bedroom or in the hallway. As far as like mentally. Okay. Mentally meeting them kind of where they're at, where, where they're, what they're feeling, um, a lot of validation going on of, you know, I feel like my family's done this, or I feel like, you know, I feel this, it's a, it's a lot of validation, a lot of, I understand, but you, you know, tell me more, just letting them kind of talk and getting that one-on-one -on -one going. And then the, you know, being their ally, ah, you being know, on their side, being on their side. You know, it, which, which doesn't mean being against the family. That's not what that, you know, it's just meaning that they have somebody that they can turn to, that they can look to. That's, that's that person that understands what, where, you know, where they're coming from. Right. Because right at this point, they don't feel like the family's on their side. Right. Right. Cause they're right. accusing the family of doing this to them. Right. So they, they need somebody that's going to advocate for them. Somebody who's going to be on their side and say, it's okay to feel this way. Right. Right. And I, I, I completely agree. Um, so those one-on-ones are really helpful. Um, and, and you being that, that friendly face, you know, that, that understanding person that they can rely on and turn to. And that often happens yeah. when they'll only ask for Natalie. Yeah. You know, I just need to see Natalie. She yeah. understands. And so you end up, you know, going on this journey with that person through this acclimation stage. And I mean, it's, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot to learn. You learn a lot about that individual. You learn about a lot about their family dynamics and, um, you learn a lot about who they are and who they were. And you can take that and turn that into, you know, 
an activity, you know, getting them out to the activity because it's something that they enjoy, you know, it's something that they enjoy. So you can, and then that leads to them making friends and socialization and all that stuff to help get them into that fifth that stage fifth stage of, of acceptance. Woohoo. We like the fifth stage of acceptance. This is when I have finally become adapted to my environment. So there's some things that I'm going to do that are going to show you that I have become a little bit more acclimated. Like, Hey, you want to see my new apartment? And I, I use that word, my, that ownership, yeah. that possession. You want to see my things in my apartment. Um, I might even start rearranging things because you know, the families come in and they set the room all up you know, for that person. And maybe it's not exactly what they want. And so they'll start to make it more to their liking and they'll move little things around. You'll see knickknacks start to move and maybe a chair moves from this area to that area. They might set their bathroom up a little bit to more their, their liking. They might even ask for extra items for, you know, their apartment. Um, they're going to start to become more accustomed to a routine, um, time to get up in the morning, when they like to go to bed, when it's time for meals, when it's time for those activities. Um, and often, which I absolutely love, is they find that friend and they latch on and then they become best friends yeah. and then they go everywhere together. And sometimes you actually have to, you know, help them have space because I, they're such good friends. I had an experience where somebody came in and, you know, they went through those stages, wasn't accepting. And then the family came into, they made this friend and the family came in to visit and they're like, I'm busy with my friend. And the family was, was like, this is awesome. That's <laughs> like, great. I mean, that know? is like those, those huge, those, those huge flags that we look for that say, Finally, we've gotten to that point where, where they're really accepting of where they live now. Yeah. And that's a great feeling. Um, they start to trust the staff more. Yeah. You know, and they start to build relationships with them and they'll start to ask for them specifically, um, which is great. Um, it becomes a lot less stressful um, for, that, for them in their life. Um, and of course, we know what stress can do to us. And so I think that if we can eliminate a lot of those unwanted emotions that will hinder us, we're, we're, we're doing great. And when we can, we, we, we can do that by getting through these stages and not interrupting their environment continuously, it's going to be a win-win for everyone. Um, a, a lot of times within like um, some facilities, the actual physicians and stuff come to the patients, which is a really great advantage because then you don't have to change that individual's environment by getting them on a bus or in the car or however you're going to transport them to the doctor's office and they have to go through that upheaval again. So that's a really nice um, advantage in a lot of facilities is the doctors come to you. Um, so how do we help? Well, uh... You have to have a, a team. You do have to have team. a team. Care team. A, a care team together. Care team. And um, kind of go over, and, and the care team involving the families. You know, it's not just the people within the facility, but it's also within, you know, the family too. Um, so you can get more information. The more information you can get about the individual, the easier it's going to be to help them acclimate and help them get to that stage of acceptance. What kind of, what kind of information? Um, 
activities that they used to enjoy, music that they maybe enjoy, anything that's going to make them feel more at home. Um, even information about family. So you can talk to them about, hey, you have five kids? You know, tell me about your five kids or, or even, even things like that um, that can make you feel more like that friend, that ally, and make them feel more comfortable. And, and, the, and you know, the people here care about me because they, they're getting to know you know, we're getting to know about them. And, and what do you think about the actual environment of where they like the, the room or apartment or they, or whatever that they're living in within a facility? Um, I know that when in the facilities that I've worked in, when loved ones come to move their, their loved one in, they buy them all new stuff, new shower curtains, new rugs, new bedding, new clothes, new bed, new dresser, new lamps, new everything. And then what happens? They don't recognize anything. And and part of nothing. One thing that I we mentioned the one-on-ones, one thing that I like to do with the one-on-ones is when you go in the rooms, you recognize, hey, Who's this picture of? Yeah, that's helpful. Tell me about this picture. It's helpful to have, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, helpful to have something that they're familiar with. Right. The, um, even that scent, you know, our, our, our senses are amazing, you know, and they, they really help us feel comforted. They help with our memories, all kinds of things. And just having the scent of your home, you know, with your bedding and, yeah. and your clothing. And what about that? One thing that I families often do is they go out and they buy them a brand new recliner. But that individual probably has a recliner at home that has all their comfy spots on it and their special lean. And and, right. And, and it makes sense to them. It's familiar to them. So I feel that if you're going to move somebody into a facility, um, maybe not get them all new stuff and bring in stuff that they are familiar with. Like you said, the pictures. Um, my favorite coffee mug that I drink coffee out of every yeah. single morning brings me comfort because it's it it it's something that I recognize. You know, it, it's going to help me with that acclimation process. Make sure I have my favorite sweaters, my pillow that I slept with every single night in my bed. Those are helpful things. They have a collection that they loved. Maybe not the whole collection. Maybe not pe- the whole collection. Maybe, but pieces of it that would bring right. them comfort and joy to see. And I think, like you said, it really helps us um, if as as a staff member. Help that individual because you can point things out to them that are familiar. You know, when you say you have this nice apartment here and and they don't believe you and you take them and it's their bed and it's their dresser and it's their pictures and their knickknacks, their kitchen table. I mean, I think that makes a really big difference in in understanding where they're at or, or how to or I should say, make them feel more comfortable within that environment that they're at. I also think it's helpful to have a picture of themselves. Yeah. Within it, you know, you put pictures up of loved ones, but I, I, through my experience, I found if you have a picture of themselves within the room, somewhere within the room that they see that picture of themselves and like, oh, this is mine. This is mine. It's it's more of a belonging, you know, even like, you know, even on the door, a picture of themselves. That helps them recognize it. But it's like, hey, this is mine because I'm here. Right. And that's certainly my picture. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I like that. Um, so in my experience, in my experience, I'd say the acclimation process can take anywhere from two weeks to two months. It just depends on that individual and it depends on 
how much we are able to help them through those processes. Um, it depends on how fast they go through each stage because they're all different and every person is a different person. We're all unique. We're all individuals and we all experience things at different levels. So I think that um, it could be anywhere from two weeks or two months. Um, but I think that this is very easy or very normal. I don't think it's easy, but it's normal. It's normal. And it's unfortunate that this is this is the normal. But I think that we as a care team have to actually help those families and their loved ones get through the acclimation process. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, educating the families, discussing it with the families, talking to them about what their loved one is going through. And what to expect, what to expect also. Right. I agree. Because if you don't expect it, then you're going to just fall for that guilt and that manipulation right away. And you're going to end up taking them back home. And then you're back at square one. Yeah. Um, which can be really hard. Um, I think that we can help navigate conversations. If we understand the disease as staff and we understand what that person is going through, I think that when families do come in to visit, I think that it, it's, it's our, our duty to help them navigate those conversations so that they can have meaningful, good conversations because it's, I can't imagine I mean, I can't imagine because I went through it, um, arguing with a loved one with dementia, you know, it's, it's, it's so easy to talk about this. It really is easy to talk about this and I can, I can educate and talk about it for hours and hours and hours. But when you really experience it, when you are that family member in that real life situation, everything you learn just goes out the window, right? It's crazy. You just, you, you don't, you don't because you have feel that it feeling different. Yes, it's just different. It's that personal feeling. It's different, and and you go through these stages, you know, with them, and you see all of this happening, and and it's hard not to feel guilty. Yeah, you know, and it's and it it so yeah, I could talk about it, but actually experiencing it is it's it is a different it is a different experience. So helping families, you know, get through those conversations to have those good, meaningful visits, redirecting those. Um, comments that might not be, um, very nice, you know, and just, just helping that I think will go a long way in helping that individual actually acclimate better, you know, and it's going to help the families too, because you're going to, you're literally educating them as you go. Right. And I think that, um, all of that education is extremely important. I just don't think that we can educate enough. Um, but there's a difference when an individual in the later stages of the disease where they're not as understanding um, and they don't process things as quickly or as well. These are these, those, those later stages. Um, they have what we call out of character behaviors or some people say dysfunctional behaviors, but they're just more of things that they would not normally do not their, not their normal baseline. Um, so a lot of those behaviors may include, but of course are not limited to poor food intake. How often have, you know, our clients not wanted to eat in the beginning of moving into a new environment. And it's hard on the families because they're losing weight or they're not eating like they used to. They used to eat everything. They're a robust eater. Just set whatever you want. And, so, in front and of some them. of that comes from the unfamiliarity of the environment where I, I've experienced where 
they feel they have to pay for the meal because I'm not used to this. It's a restaurant that they feel like they're at, so I have to pay, so we're not gonna eat because we don't have the money. And that's part of the transitioning in is, yeah. is getting Or there's to that. so much food on my plate, I don't and know. I'm not gonna eat all this, so I don't wanna waste it, so I'm gonna give it to this person instead so that I don't waste anything because I'm really not that hungry. So there, yeah, there's a lot that goes into that poor food intake and it's, nobody wants to watch that. Incontinence or going to the bathroom in inappropriate areas that we would normally not use um, it because we're confused because our environment has changed. Um, yelling out and screaming, sleep disturbances. Sometimes we sleep all the time and every time the family comes in to visit, oh, they're sleeping again or we never sleep and we have insomnia and we're up all night and we just, we, we cannot sleep. We're restless. We're wandering. And, um, that's not their norm. Usually they, they were a great sleeper. Um, sometimes having memory conflicts. And I know that we're talking about Alzheimer's and dementia. And then of course there's memory conflicts, but sometimes we struggle even more because it increases that confusion even more when we change the environment. Um, we, of course, there's that wandering, the pacing, um, there's anxiety, um, there's sexual inhibition, um, hypersexuality, um, resistance to care is a huge one. This is the one I think that we struggle with the most in facilities is that resistance to care. And we are doing our utmost best to care for that individual and to allow them to let us care for them. And sometimes it's difficult and the families, you know, think that, you know, A, B, and C should be done and we're trying to get A, B, and C done, but we may have only gotten half of B done and maybe a quarter of C in this little smidgen of A, but we're working on it, and it you know, and it it's a, yeah, it's it, a work in progress. It, it comes to that building that trust with that person too. Yep. Like as they're, you know, we're acclimating to them too. And, you know, if it's, if it's just somebody you've never seen before coming in and wanting to care for you, Right. And there's, there's even been times where I've had families who were taking care of their loved ones at home and they were the ones doing the showering and, and all that personal care. So what made it easier was they would come in and they would do the shower with us so that it was like a team effort. And so it kind of helped that, that person become a little bit more comfortable with us as staff because the family member was there the whole time, which was really nice. So it kind of actually helped us acclimate to the client because who knew their routine better than the loved one. one. So it was really helpful. Um, unexplainable irritability, you know, they, they'll start taking things apart, ripping paper up, um, just being very destructive. Um, they have a lot of angry outbursts. They could have a lot of incoherent babbling. So there's a lot of different dysfunctional behaviors of them trying to express that they're not comfortable. You know, their, their behaviors aren't because they just are trying to be difficult. That's not what it is. This, this, they can't even reflect on that inappropriate behavior. They don't even realize they're being inappropriate because what they're doing is expressing to you that I am not comfortable right now. And whether that's screaming, whether that's wandering, tearing things apart, not eating, eating too much, sleeping, not sleeping, it doesn't matter. It's an expression, right? And it's just saying, hey, something's not right with me and I'm not comfortable. And so we are there to help them try to get through that, that process and get through that whole acclimation. So, um, we have to pay attention 
to those verbal cues, those physical cues that they're giving us that allow us to try to understand what they're going through. And if we can do that, then we can help them. I feel we, if we can understand their expressions, if we can understand what the behaviors are and why they're expressing them, then I feel like we can really start to help them acclimate to that environment. Um, and I think that if we all come together as a care team with the staff and, and the family members and even the professional physicians and um, the, the, the psychiatric care and all of them as a care team, I think that we can really start to help assist with that transition for not only the clients, but the families, because it's really hard on the families. Yeah. I mean, it's hard on the client. Don't get me wrong, but again, those families leave with those feelings. They leave with those hurtful words still pounding in their head, you know, making them feel bad. So I think that simply by understanding and simply by just being a part of their everyday moments with, with the families, with the clients, I think that we can really help them through that acclimation process. And then once they're there, home sweet home. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit us at www.okra.com for more great content.